Today's episode is a controversial one that's going to make you rethink how to get healthy and how to thrive with a good friend of mine, Jeremy Abramson. Here we go. Let's say we got the honor of attending a workshop by Warren Buffett to learn about wealth, right? Because this guy's a billionaire. He knows what he's talking about. So we, Jeremy raises his hand and he's like, Warren, Warren, how do I become rich like you? And Warren Buffett says, that's easy, Jeremy. Just spend less than you earn and you'll be rich like me. And then he goes on to a different question. And Jeremy's like, wait a minute. Yeah, that makes sense. But there's no solution in that. That's the same thing with calories in versus calories out. It doesn't give you the solution. It's a distraction. So what really matters then, Jeremy? We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I wanna thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, your host, Ben Azadi here. I'm super excited to be with you today. You can learn more about me over at benazadi.com. Recently, I got together here in Miami, where I live, with a good friend of mine, Jeremy Abramson. He has like 1.5 million followers on TikTok. He's got an incredible podcast called Thrive University. And just he's just an awesome, genuine human being. And uh, we got together and we recorded an epic, epic podcast at his studio here in Miami for his Thrive University podcast. And um, the interview did really, really well. I posted it and clips all over the social media interwebs and it did really, really well, viral videos all over the place. So I asked Jeremy, I said, Jeremy, would you mind if I took the entire interview uncut and put it on my podcast? and he gave us the green light. So that's what you have today. It's probably gonna be one of the most controversial interviews you've listened to and episodes you've listened to. There are curse words in this episode that are not filtered out. So keep that in mind if you have children. Uh, I don't curse, but Jeremy does. It's part of his personality. So there are curse words here. Uh, Keep that in mind. There's going to be topics that might trigger some people. I encourage you to have an open mind, open heart, and really listen because I believe this is gonna be one of those episodes that will change a lot of lives for those who resonate with it and click with it. So here are some of the things we spoke about before I get into the episode. We talked about the problem with healthcare, sick care. Why do we have disease that's on the rise? Cancer, what can we do about that? Why are hospitals feeding us junk? We give our thoughts on ADHD and medication used for it. We talk about alcohol and why alcohol 
is a toxin, a neurotoxin, and it destroys many, many lives. We talk about the root cause of anxiety and depression. We talk about artificial sweeteners, why they disrupt your gut microbiome. We talk about the benefits of intermittent fasting, the dangers of seed oil, how to take personal responsibility, how to live on purpose with your purpose, how thoughts influence your health, why cutting calories is a joke, benefits of autophagy, easy ways to boost brain health, and is the vegan diet helping you or hurting you? And a lot more. This is a fantastic episode. I'm excited to share with you shortly. Uh, Before I get into this episode, I want to take a minute to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day from MegaClean83. Here's what Megan said. Megan said, can't get enough. And you use a K for can't. I like that. Is that a reference to Keto Camp? Camp with a K? Anyways, thanks for all your knowledge, Ben. My health has drastically changed since listening to your podcast. I started listening in April And since then, I've lost 30 pounds and have significantly reduced my inflammation. And so much so that when I had surgery, my recovery was progressing faster than anyone had anticipated. Thanks for making your passion my passion. Without your health, you have nothing. All my thanks. Mega clean, Megan in Iowa. Wow, Megan. Congrats. So happy for you. Keep healing. Glad the surgery was successful. And I'm going to reword your sentence because here's what you wrote, which is awesome. So don't get me wrong. I'm not calling you out in any way, but I want you and everybody to understand. So here's how you worded it. You said, since then I've lost 30 pounds and then I've significantly reduced my inflammation, but it's it's the other way. You've reduced inflammation and then a side effect is you've lost the 30 pounds that that's how it works so congratulations i'm so happy for you so proud of you thank you for listening since april and thank you for leaving that rating and review you're awesome keep kicking butt if you have not left the keto camp podcast a rating or a review on whatever platform you're listening from please do so right now pause it do it it really helps and maybe i'll read your review on the next episode. If you want to learn more about my health coaching services and get access to my signature course and work with me and our Keto Camp coaches to really implement in a strategic, structured way, keto fasting, carnivore, keto flexing, and mindset, then message me on Instagram. We'll see if it's a good fit. My Instagram handle is at the Benazadi. Message me with the word energy and I'll get you some details and we'll see if I could potentially be your coach. Energy on Instagram at the Benazadi is my handle. All right, let's get into this conversation with my friend Jeremy Abramson. He is a rock star. His energy is through the roof. He was the interviewer and I was the interviewee. So you'll love it. It's a great dynamic. When we get together, we just get into this flow state. You'll see that. So here we go. Here is the conversation with Jeremy Abramson and myself. What is up, Thrive? Thrive. Welcome back to the Thrive University podcast. And my oh my, do we have a special treat for you today. It is round three with the one and only, the myth, the man, the legend, Ben Azadi, baby. Welcome back. Dude, I'm excited to be back with you. We're going to change so many lives today. So for those listening, make sure you're present, take notes. We're going to rock it today. Yeah. And... Ben is 
somebody, you're somebody that's always on top of new research. And I'm curious to know, like, what's something right now that you're spending a lot of time thinking about, researching, working with your clients on? Great question. Great way to start. It's actually a lot of what you teach, which is the mindset part. You know, year after year, as I study health and nutrition, I've been at it for 14 years now, right? Before, I used to think it was all about strategy. Now, I believe 95% of success, not just with health, but all areas of life, is mindset and 5% strategy. Now, that 5% needs to be really good strategy, but it's doing the inner work, right? The mental six-pack, developing that, using things like thoughts and gratitude, vitamin G to heal the body. Uh, and there's science to actually back up what gratitude does to change your physiology, to change inflammation in your body. And you preach that all the time. So that's what's exciting to me. I've been putting that into more content, more lectures, because that's been making a big difference in my community. Yeah, I appreciate that. And when you're really in that attitude of gratitude, it's hard to experience feelings of anger, resentment, sadness yeah. simultaneously. So it's good to know that there's research that's also backing this up. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I call it vitamin G. I believe it's the strongest vitamin in the world. There, you can't overdose on it. And it's free, right? So vitamin G is gratitude, obviously. And Dr. Joe Dispenza, who is an amazing resource, you got to bring him on your podcast soon. He's done brain scans. Did you scans. get him on yours? No, not yet. Okay. Not yet. It's been a, it's been a challenge. <laughs> but he's done brain scans on thousands of participants who go through his course, right? And he has them practice gratitude and he looks at their brain, he looks at their body, looks at inflammatory levels. And he saw 1,200 different chemical process, processes that take place instantaneously so to put the body in an anti-inflammatory healing state when they practice gratitude. That's why I always say what you appreciate appreciates and those thoughts that you have every single day, the 60,000 thoughts, that's really important to understand because you could choose the negativity, which is going to create inflammation, or you could choose the abundant, loving, grateful thoughts, which produces anti-inflammation in your body. Mm. So that's why I would say, Jeremy, you are the most influential person you'll speak to today because of the power of the thoughts and what gratitude does to heal your body. Yeah, that's facts. And I also think that feeling gratitude for yourself and acknowledging yourself and celebrating yourself for your journey, for the progress, right? Because so many people struggle with low self-esteem, low confidence, lack of self-love. And if you don't respect yourself, if you don't love yourself, how do you expect someone else mm. to do those things, right? right. So, so bringing in that gratitude for the simple things, I think is just such a powerful foundation. And I actually want to refer back to something you said right before that about strategy just being 5% of the puzzle. And Tony Robbins says something similar, right? Before focusing on strategy, you want to, number one, focus on the story. What story are you currently telling yourself? What narrative are you telling yourself? And how is that story holding you back? from unleashing your full potential, right? And then number two is state. You need to change your state. You're a perfect example of that. <laughs> you do it all the time. Right, you yeah. too. How, and, and powerful ways to do that are the ice bath, cold showers, a workout, right? Listening, dancing, 
to music, something that's going to change your physiology because that's going to change your ability to think differently and feel differently. And then, then after we address state and stories, we can focus on strategy. That's right. Yeah, that, that's beautifully broke, broken down. But there's one more piece to that, right? The environment, right? Because mm. your environment determines your thoughts. Your thoughts determine your state. Your state determines your actions. Your actions determine your results, right? So uh, it starts with the environment, right? So who are you hanging around with? What are you watching? Are you watching toxic fear porn news? Or are you opening up a book? Are you having conversations with people who are on this vibration like Jeremy? Or are you having conversations with people who are complaining and gossiping? There is a YouTube video called Fleas in a Jar. 60 seconds, it'll change the way you think about your environment. What, what, this, what this video shows is they put hundreds of fleas in a jar, put that jar upside down. The fleas are trapped there. They leave the jar there with the fleas for a few hours. So the fleas are trying to fly around, but they can't escape. After a few hours, they remove the jar completely, but the fleas have now been conditioned by their environment to still fly in that same pattern. And they remain in that little pattern as if the jar was there. But not only that, the, the offsprings that are produced by those fleas flew in the same pattern when they were born. They stayed in that same pattern, even though wow. the jar has been removed. That's a perfect example of what your environment does to you. So your environment determines your thoughts. I would start there. Make sure you cut out people who are not serving your worth or serving your goals. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. We definitely need to get that clip up there. And I always say just because someone was part of your chapter two doesn't necessarily mean that they're supposed to be part of your chapter eight. Because as you evolve as a human being, so do your relationships. And if the people that you were hanging out with are doing things that don't necessarily align with your highest self, they're getting blackout drunk, they're smoking, they're watching porn, they're doing things that don't serve your growth, then it's probably time to distance yourself and prioritize your peace, prioritize your path forward. Um, so these fleas, this is a video of the fleas and they don't leave the jar. They're like, the jar is removed, but they still fly in the same pattern as if the jar was there. They were conditioned now to believe the jar is there. In that same, same you could see it on the video on YouTube, in that same pattern. They have offspring and the offspring still fly in that same pattern. That's fucking wild. It's crazy, dude. It's absolutely crazy. And that's powerful too because our subconscious mind basically runs our life. Everything. And a majority of our subconscious program is created in the first seven years. Yep. So understand that all of those stories, all of those experiences as a young child shape our reality as adults. That's exactly it. It's conditioning. Yeah. So we have those, those self-limiting thoughts like you were mentioning. It has everything to do with our conditioning and nothing to do with our potential because it's all just stored in your paradigm, that subconscious mind. But here's the thing. You cannot escape a prison if you don't know you're in one, just like mm. those fleas. So awareness is number one. Why are you having those toxic thoughts? It has nothing to do with you and your potential and all the things you could do in this world. It has everything to do with the first seven years of your life, these learned behaviors. And if you could understand that, it makes things so empowering. And you could just let that thought pass and then choose a better thought. And I have to share one more thing with you because I forgot to mention this earlier, the yeah. power of thoughts, Jeremy. This is going to blow your mind. 
I was studying Bob Proctor like I do every single day. He's changed my life, saved my life, I would go as far as to say. And Bob Proctor was sharing a story about being in a car on a road trip in 1975 or so. And he was in the car using his thoughts to make clouds disappear with his thoughts, right? And I thought, this is really bogus. Like, this is wild. But I got to give it a shot. So I go on my balcony where I live in Bay Harbor, and I start to look at a cloud. I, I chose a small cloud, and I'm staring at it. And I'm like, should I blink? I need to blink. And I'm like all in my head. But then I got really focused on that cloud. And I just started to envision that cloud disappearing before my eyes. And Jeremy, in about 60 seconds, that cloud disappeared before my eyes. So I ran into the bedroom, told my fiance, Natasha, hey, I'm making clouds disappear with my thoughts. And she's like, what are you talking about? So she goes outside with me. And I tell her, pick a cloud, any cloud. She chose a cloud. I make it disappear. And I just keep making clouds disappear with my thoughts. I'm 100% of making clouds disappear with my thoughts. And do you know why? Because thoughts are the most powerful frequency on planet Earth, and clouds are just energy and frequency, and you could actually make them disappear. So I want you to try it, Jeremy, and I want your audience to try it later, too. Shit. I haven't seen you in a few months, and you're out here <laughs> making clouds disappear? Okay. <laughs> All right. But that's just indicative of how powerful just this inner world is. You know, and I think something that a lot of people struggle with is they do become a prison prisoner of their own mind. and They become a slave to their thoughts and they take every thought that they have as truth. And I think something that's been really helpful for me is treating our thoughts, having the perspective of being an observer, literally just watching the thoughts pass by as if they're clouds in the sky. Exactly. And you can acknowledge the ones that don't serve you and allow them to keep going. And then once those thoughts that are empowering you come through, run away with those and, and really use those to fuel your dreams, to fuel your purpose. This is so important to understand. Like we could teach people about keto and intermittent fasting and all the cool things we're going to talk about. But this right here is how you change your life for the better. Because if you're thinking is thinking, your dreams are shrinking, Jeremy. Facts. <laughs> and I want to talk about your purpose because it's a big one. Ever since I met you, you've been very vocal about your mission and your vision. And I would argue that that is one of the best things that you can do to cultivate a healthier brain. Mm. is by being aligned to your purpose, to your soul's calling, your dharma. Right. And waking up every day knowing that you get to serve humanity in a positive way. So I want you to talk a little bit about your mission and how that fuels you on a day to day basis. Yeah. And you do a really good job talking about this very often. And I love that about you because not a lot of people talk about how important it is to live on purpose with your purpose, which you're clearly doing. That's how you got so much energy. I'm clearly doing That's how I have so much energy. You don't need to find energy when you're living on purpose with your purpose. You release that. It's inside of you. Mm. Uh, it, it's so important to find your purpose and then live on purpose with that purpose. And for so many years, 24 years, as a matter of fact, I didn't have any purpose. I mean, my goals were getting the best video game score. And uh, that was pretty much like my highest goal right there. <laughs> and my purpose actually came from a void. It came from hitting rock bottom and being depressed and suicidal, like I spoke about on previous episodes. And I think that's where a lot of people get their purpose. 
So if somebody's going through something really challenging right now, you're depressed, maybe you're suicidal, you're rock bottom, you know, this could be a beautiful thing for you. You could turn this around and you could turn that into something really magnificent, a business, a career, an opportunity, a podcast, your purpose, your dharma, your telos, the Greeks call it the telos as well. So for me, you know, I went through depression, suicidal thoughts and all that. My dad got sick. He lost his life to diabetes. And that's what revealed my purpose. I started mm. to see how many people out there are sick and suffering. They're tiptoeing their way through life, hoping to land safely on death's door. They're asleep. They're not taking responsibility for their health. They're treating it casually. And you treat your health casually, you end up a casualty. So the mission developed from that to educate and to inspire and to wake up 1 billion people to show them that your human body was built so magnificently, you were designed to heal. We just need to do our part and remove the interference. And that's where the mission was stemmed from. Mm. Preach, my brother. <laughs> that was amazing. That might have been one of the best rants on the pod, but you can literally feel the energy flowing through you when you speak about it. And right now, I think the number one reason for people being depressed that doesn't get talked about is that they're waking up with no purpose, with no meaning. They're selling their soul for a paycheck. Yeah. And you can only do that so long before you start to feel the energy and life force being drained from you. So I think something powerful that people can do if they're feeling like they're in that position is start pursuing your passions just a little bit every single day. What's something you're curious about? What's something that you used to love doing as a child, right? And how can you potentially share that with others? Yeah. Because that's really what we're doing. Exactly. And if you live in America, I mean, you have the opportunity to create anything you want with something you love to do. A lot of people say, but I love uh, maybe painting and drawing. How could I turn that into a career? It's been done before. Why not you, right? You could turn any passion into something that's profitable and money is just a tool to help more people, right? So you could, if you live in America, you can make it happen. You are, we are so blessed to live in this country. And like Jeremy said, it doesn't mean you quit your job today and say, I'm out of here. You know, I heard this podcast with Jeremy and Ben. It means you add one little tweak each week and small tweaks lead to giant peaks. Say that last line again. Uh, small tweaks lead to giant peaks. That's massive. Small tweaks lead to massive peaks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's powerful. Because it really is those small changes that manifest into big, massive changes in the long term. But I think so many people, Ben, are impatient. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and they're expecting these results in a week, in a month, in a year. And really, that's not how things work. It requires commitment. It requires consistency. Dude, one of the things, one of the most common comments on my videos is that I don't blink. I'm cracked out. I must be on drugs. My energy isn't real. And I want to use this opportunity to tell any of those people that my energy is extremely real and it really does come from this sense of purpose and alignment with my life. I feel so much gratitude and energy because I literally get to do what I love every single day. Mm. And there's no greater 
life force and energetic frequency than aligning yourself with your purpose. Amen, brother. Preach, dude. And I, I, I know Jeremy personally. I've known you for years. And Jeremy's not doing cocaine. He's not doing drugs. Like, this is his natural, authentic state. Perfect example, when I parked, you know, down the street here to meet you at your studio, I'm walking across the street, and I hear, Benazani Guido Camp. Jeremy's shouting out from across the street, <laughs> welcoming me with a big hug and energy. Like, that's who he is, and that's your authentic self, and that's why you're changing so many lives, connecting with so many people. And I know Jeremy personally, like this is his true authentic self, whether you're having dinner with him, you're on a podcast, he's on a YouTube video, whatever it is, like this is Jeremy. One more thing to add to the purpose. There's a great book that came out uh, in the 1980s called Recovering the Soul. Great title from a medical doctor named Dr. Larry Dossey. And they just did a study in that book looking at when Americans had their first heart attack or stroke. Mm. And they would predict that American adults would have their first heart attack or stroke 85% of the time during Monday morning between 8 and 9 a.m. going to the, a job that they hate. And that's what stress does, to your point, to lead to disease in your body. Yeah. And it's crazy, right? Because the Western medicine model is never going to address that, right? That requires getting to know someone, having deep conversations, because you can be doing all of the things right. You can be intermittent fasting. You can be eating the healthiest foods. You can be training hard. You can be getting adequate sleep. But if you are not aligned with your purpose, I truly believe that it's going to manifest in some sort of inflammation in some sort of interference, and in some sort of disease later on in life. It will. It's a fact. It's an absolute fact. I mean, if you want the science behind all of this, because some people hear this and they think gratitude and thoughts and, you know, being aligned with your purpose, they think it's a little woo-woo. Have you seen people kind of make yeah. those comments? Yeah. So then we could back it up with science, right? I mean, just go study Dr. Bruce Lipton, who I've interviewed. Have you interviewed him yet? No. Oh, yeah, so I interviewed Dr. Bruce Lipton, and he explained, and he has research that shows the thoughts that you create, those 60,000 thoughts, are frequencies that penetrate your cell membranes and communicate with your DNA nucleus. If it's a stressful thought, because you're thinking about how much you hate your job, you're watching toxic news, you're watching fear porn, social media, highlight reels, and it's negative thoughts, the stinking thinking, the proteins produced by your DNA are inflammatory. Your thoughts are creating inflammatory proteins 60,000 times per day. But think about the opposite. If you're actually doing the things we're talking about here, practicing self-love and gratitude, living on purpose with your purpose, turning off the news, opening up a book, listening to podcasts like this, if you have 60,000 thoughts, that's 60,000 opportunities to put your body in a healing, anti-inflammatory state every mm. single day. Mm. How empowering is that? And your conventional doctor is not going to tell that to you, but that is an actual fact. Yeah. It'll be fun. Maybe down the road, Ben, myself, some of our other friends and colleagues will open up some sort of school or academy that puts all of these teachings in a curriculum where people can actually go through this journey and just get fueled with the most legitimate knowledge and tools to take... 100% ownership of their life. I'm, I'm speaking that into existence and um, finishing up on the purpose stuff. Mm -hmm. I know you mentioned to me that 
I believe it was around seven years ago, you made the conscious decision to stop drinking alcohol because it was preventing you from being the most powerful version of yourself. That's right. And I'd love for you to just kind of dive deeper into that. There are so many researched benefits to having good fat in your diet, but there is just one little problem with all this healthy fat. If you can't properly digest the fat in your diet, chances are you won't feel that great. And a lot of people lack the one key nutrient needed to digest fat. To really get the best results from any diet, whether it's carnivore, paleo, keto, or even vegan, I found there are three things that can really help optimize your results. First, enhance your digestion and elimination. Second, boost your cellular energy. And third, rev up your fat-burning metabolism. And one of the best aids to a ketogenic lifestyle that I've ever found comes from my friends over at Bioptimizers, and it's called Capex. What Capex does is three things. First, it breaks down the fats you eat into fatty acids using a proprietary lipase and dandelion extract blend. Most people aren't eating a lot more good fat in their diet these days. This means you're breaking down the dietary fat into usable energy and not storing it. Second, they transport those fatty acids into the muscles and in the liver. And they have several ingredients that dramatically increase the fatty acid oxidation inside your mitochondria, both in your muscles and liver. In other words, it's more fuel into your motor and more horsepower for your motor. If you take three to five capsules of K-Pax in the morning on an empty stomach, the energy is incredible. It feels like a cup of coffee and it lasts six to 10 hours and there's no nervous system stimulation. It works incredible as a pre-workout and even without caffeine. It's one of my go-tos when I'm in a fasted state. Now, it won't make up for bad eating or eating lots of excess calories, especially from processed foods and seed oils, but the research shows that it can raise metabolic rate and boost other fat loss hormones. I highly suggest trying it for yourself. And when you go to Kenergize.com slash KetoCamp, that's K-E-N-E-R-G-I-Z-E forward slash KetoCamp, camp with a K, you'll automatically get 10% off any package of Capex with the coupon code KetoCamp10. That is K-E-T-O-K-A-M-P-1-0. We will also drop a link for you down below in the podcast notes. Yeah, I, I never had a drinking problem, meaning I wasn't uh, addicted to alcohol, but I was a, an occasional drinker. I would have a drink maybe two or three times a month. And every time I drank, whether it was like a healthy organic wine or tequila or beer, whatever it was, the next day I was just not who I wanted to be, meaning I was a little bit behind. Mm. Maybe some brain fog. Maybe the day just got started a little bit late. I just wasn't, I didn't feel like I was 100% on my A game. Yeah. And at this time is when I was actually getting really clear on my purpose and my mission, which is to educate and to inspire a billion people. So I'm thinking about, all right, if that is my mission and I'm committed to it, not just being interested in that mission, but I'm 100% committed, this is taking me away from that. Even if it's just a little bit, that's going to add up and compound over time. Mm. So I told myself, I haven't hit that mission. I haven't helped those 1 billion people. I don't deserve to be doing things like that. That's not serving that mission and taking me in the opposite direction. So once I got clear on those highest values, then I made the decision to stop drinking. And I haven't had a sip of alcohol ever since then. Really? Yeah. So seven years, like basically complete sobriety when it comes to alcohol? 100% sobriety. 
Wow. That's inspiring. Thank you. That's powerful. And I think sometimes we've been told that a couple glasses of wine is actually beneficial for your heart, which is complete bullshit because that's under the preface that resveratrol, which might be beneficial in some capacity, you would legit need to drink like a couple bottles of wine by yourself to get the benefits of resveratrol, right? Which obviously is not going to serve you. And I think a lot of people underestimate how much of a negative impact even just a couple drinks has on your brain, your sleep, and your ability to show up in the most powerful way for yourself and for others. They do. Most people do. And you're right. Alcohol is a neurotoxin. It doesn't matter if it's the best alcohol in the world or some cheap beer. All of that is a neurotoxin. You're killing brain cells every sip of alcohol that you drink. Not only that, your body needs to treat that like a poison because alcohol is a poison. So what happens is your liver has to detoxify that alcohol. So it prioritizes getting rid of that alcohol over producing bile, which breaks down fat, over other amazing processes like burning fat and producing energy. That mm. alcohol takes high priority because it's, it's a toxin. So the body stops all these other processes that are very much needed to deal with the alcohol coming in. And then once it you know, processes that alcohol, it goes back to that. But if your liver is already toxic and sluggish, like most Americans, and you're adding alcohol, which is making that liver work even harder, you're just adding fuel to the fire. And it's very important to understand this because that's what's happening to a lot of people. And to your point, they're actually not aware of what it's doing to their body. Yeah. It's, it's just another case of something that is legal because alcohol is legal. But that doesn't mean that it's not a drug. And like you said, this is a liquid poison that literally crosses your blood-brain barrier. And if we want to create better mental health, if we want to create brighter futures for ourselves and our families, I just think we need to revisit our relationship with alcohol. And I personally enjoy an occasional cocktail here and there, a cold beer, whatever it may be. But you just have to ask yourself, is this something that you have control over? Or is this something that you are dependent on because you're using it to numb yourself from actually being with yourself, from feeling your emotions? Great questions to ask. And, you know, to your point, uh, just because I haven't had alcohol in seven years, I'm not committed to never having it again. Right. I just haven't felt the call. I, didn't have, I haven't had that occasion or that moment. So it's just been 100% nil alcohol for me, but I'm not... That's not my commitment, meaning like I'm open to having an occasional drink to celebrate something because there is also health benefits to celebrating things and being in the moment. So we need to understand as w that as well. But that's very different than what we're talking about, the person who's numbing themselves, drinking beer every night or every single weekend. And I want to hear your thoughts because the biggest challenge I see with people giving up alcohol is having that conversation and setting those boundaries with their friends who are so used to them drinking. So what would you, what advice would you give that person? How could you set those boundaries in the relationships? Yeah, that's a great question. Number one, it is remembering that you're in a relationship with yourself for the rest of your life. So yeah, it might be challenging to have these conversations with people that you've been friends with for a long time, but you are your top priority, your health, your children, your future generations, right? 
something that doesn't get talked about often enough is this idea of generational health, mm. right? Because we hear all the time about generational trauma and how different emotional wounds and traumas get passed down to generations if they don't get addressed. So we have the opportunity to actually change the narrative, face our traumas, heal from our emotional wounds, and create true health and healing on our lives, and then give that gift to our children, to our future grandchildren. And to answer your question fully, I think once you understand that you're the top priority, it's understanding that if these people that you're communicating to are actual, real, genuine friends, then they are going to see you. They're going to hear you. And if that's something that they don't appreciate or don't receive well, then I think that's pretty indicative of the type of person they are and whether or not they belong in your life. And that's super challenging, right? Because it's all about leaning into discomfort. It's leaning into those uncomfortable conversations and the idea that you might have to reinvent your relationships to, to align with the newest version of yourself. Mm. You know, and I think a great way to do that is simply spend time at places where you're likely to meet people with similar interests. Yeah. Yoga studios, uh, different gyms, shopping at Whole Foods, um, going to music festival of a, of a band that you like, like really putting yourself in position to connect with those like-minded growth oriented people will only lead to good things. Yeah. Well said. I mean, it goes back to how we started the conversation, self-love, self-worth, which is aligned with what you just said. And then fleas in a jar, your environment, right? You got to change your environment to change your, your thoughts, which changes your actions, et cetera. So great advice, Jeremy. Here's something else, by the way, that's, that's just bizarre since we're talking about alcohol. Alcohol is the only drug that you have to justify not taking, right? Like if you're at a bar with your friends and they're all drinking and they offer you a drink and you're like, nah, bro, I'm good, I'm good. They start to look at you funny. They're like, what do you mean you're good, bro? Like we're all drinking. Like this is, this is part of what we do. It's like, nah, man, like, I'm good. I'm good with my water. Like, I don't want to feel like shit the next day. You literally have to have, like, excuses and reasons ready to justify the fact that you're not poisoning yourself with this toxic inflammatory liquid that somehow is still legal. But that's just my two cents. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. I mean, something similar could be said about sugar, right? It's like um, there's a drug dealer on every quarter with sugar. Uh, ice cream trucks and gas stations and supermarkets loaded with sugar and sugar could be categorized as a drug as well. So it's crazy how we normalize these things. And in reality, it's, it's not healthy to have these on a, on a daily basis. I'm curious to know, since we're on the topic of sugar now, so my perspective on sugar, if it's like real sugar, like either coconut sugar or something from like a natural source, like fruit, I mean, like fruit of yeah. course. Um, if you have an active lifestyle, like both of us do, your body actually has the mechanism to use that sugar for fuel, right? And you can burn that sugar. But the artificial sweeteners, like sucralose, high fructose corn syrup, aspartame, your body 
doesn't really have the systems or mechanisms to digest and metabolize those chemical compounds. You're right. It's a completely different process. Uh, if you think about eating a whole fruit, an apple or blueberries or whatever it is, versus yeah. even fruit juice, which strips away a lot of these fibers and complexes, versus like high fructose corn syrup, sucralose, aspartame, completely different process. The whole fruit is treated as a whole fruit. There's um, a matrix of like antioxidants and fiber. Your body's going to use it. You're going to assimilate it. You're going you're gonna to burn it for energy, right? Put it into your glycogen stores, your liver, muscle cells. You take sucralose on a daily basis, man, you're going to wreck your gut. You're probably going to create some, some neurological issues possibly. But high fructose corn syrup, Dr. Bruce Lipton um, shared with me that when you consume high fructose corn syrup, which is just processed sugar, it takes blood flow away from the prefrontal cortex of your brain, as you know, the decision-making part of your brain, and directs it to your amygdala. So it puts you in fear, in a fearful state, takes you away from critical thinking when you consume high fructose corn syrup. And that's just further proof that your food determines your mood mm. and mental health. That's it. That's fucking wild. I never heard about that. And, and that explains why. I mean, it, it makes sense, too, when you think about it, because the amygdala is this small almond-shaped part of the brain that's really responsible for fear. fear. Mm -hmm. And if you're heightening blood flow to that area, you're going to elevate those feelings of fear, which is going to lead to things like anxiety, right? Which is, in general, just a constant looking forward and fearing what's next, what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. ADD, ADHD, all these uh, labeled conditions. Yep, all of that. Exactly. What are your thoughts on ADHD? My thoughts is that it's, it's a label used to mask. Um, it's a label used to mask a symptom, but it's actually not getting to the cause. Right? So it's very controversial. I don't know what you think about that, but I think it's made up. I think that a kid who has ADHD... You could put him in front of something he loves to do and his ADHD goes away. So how do you explain that, right? I think it's a matter of them not finding the things they love, but also, you know, nutrition, um, lifestyle, et cetera. So I think it's a combination of things. And I think it's treated the wrong way, like conventional medicine always treats. And it's just lo looking at the symptom, putting a Band-Aid on it versus getting to the cause or causes to why this kid, this person actually has these symptoms. What are your thoughts on ADHD? This is good. This is great because a lot of people are going to be triggered by what you just said. I know. And I want to preface everything that I speak and I, and I second this with everything that Ben says, like none of the stuff that we're talking about or saying is designed to offend anyone or hurt anyone's feelings. So if you do find yourself getting triggered by any of the things that we're saying, it's just an opportunity to really check in with yourself and ask why. And we're not saying to agree with us or believe everything we're saying. Always do your own homework, your own research. These are simply our opinions. This is not medical advice. That's right. And I could be completely wrong, but that's how I feel right now, right? I'm open to changing my mind. My perspective is very similar to yours. I believe that for the most part, ADHD is a fabrication of the mind and it's a label that has enabled pharmaceutical companies to make hundreds of billions of dollars off legalized cocaine 
such as Ritalin, mm. Adderall, Vyvanse, which has literally been found to, if you look at brain scans, which has literally been found to impact the brain in a similar way that chronic cocaine use does, right? And we're giving this stuff, bro, to seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds. It's somehow become normal in our society that we're literally feeding children methamphetamines rather than actually holding our parents responsible, teachers responsible. Kids are not designed to be stuck in a classroom for seven hours learning about shit that they don't care about. That's right. And like you said, once you actually give that child the opportunity to spend that time doing something he loves, whether that is art, whether that is sports, whether that is math, they're going to channel that ADHD into a lot of magic. That's right. It magically goes away, right? The ADHD goes away when they do that. It's going to be their biggest superpower. And then finally, the last thing I'll say about that is like these artificial food dyes that are so prominent in basically every processed and packaged food that you'll find on the shelves at supermarkets, yellow five, blue one, red 40, these things have been proven to be very, very, very negatively impactful for the developing brain. Right. And really accelerating hyperactivity of the brain. So eliminating some of those artificial food dyes and artificial sweeteners that we talked about is going to really create a healthier brain for for our children and for our adults. It's well said. You know, this is so important because it's almost as if everything we've been taught from a conventional paradigm mindset or thought process is the complete opposite of what really is going to get us healthy, right? You mentioned that these artificial ingredients, including high fructose corn syrup, yeah, it impairs the development of the brain. And when you're a kid, you don't want to impair the development of your brain. And where do you find all these ingredients? You find them in our school's children, our, our uh, children's school, excuse me, vending machines, ice cream trucks, supermarkets, gas stations, everywhere, everywhere. But not only that, we go to hospitals, and what do we see? Hospitals are not an environment to heal your body. There are McDonald's and Burger Kings and fast food restaurants in hospitals. How does that even make sense? Doctors go on break. Patients take breaks from whatever treatment they're getting to walk into a McDonald's in a hospital, and that's the food that actually contributed to getting them there. But then you think about patients that are going through chemotherapy, which is to treat cancer, they're in their hospital bed and the nurse comes in or the doctor comes in with their food, processed junk that leads to inflammation and cancer. You go on the American Diabetes Association website to find out what should I eat if I'm diabetic, high carbohydrates, which lands you in this diabetic world. It's like the complete opposite of what we should actually be doing for health and longevity. Oh my gosh. Bro, we should definitely, thinking out loud, we should definitely like, in the very near future, plan a trip to a hospital and just film a shit ton of content there. And like really, (laughs) really go into like the cafeteria and document what they're doing. It's a brilliant idea. And, And you're absolutely right though. I mean, we were talking about this before we started recording. It's become so popular to say things like, fuck cancer, fuck depression. 
when we should really be saying, no, fuck the things that caused us getting those illnesses because those are just a manifestation of poor lifestyle habits and decisions, right? So talk a little bit about that. I mean, in, 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 regards, to, in regards to some of the things that you found to, to be most destructive for the brain when it comes to like mental health or if you want to take it the direction of some of these other chronic illnesses. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I love that you brought this up. So what Jeremy is referring to is symptoms versus root cause, right? So symptoms is going to be, we're going to label that conventional allopathic medicine using uh, medication, surgeries, etc. And then we have root cause thinking, okay, there has to be something that caused this or some or multiple things that caused this. Let's determine that. So a perfect example, and then I'm going to tie it into the cancer yeah. conversation. Uh, let's say, for example, one of your, your listeners, we'll call her Rebecca. Uh, your phone stopped, by the way. You want to just keep going or said something? It got violation reasons, <laughs> misinformation. Oh, gosh. That, that's why, like, these fucking lives are so ridiculous. <laughs> well, so we were, Instagram is still going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we didn't talk about um, I'm submitting appeal, appeal. So just to show you guys exactly, this actually... Right now. And, and I don't mean to ruin your no, no, momentum. I, I'm holding the thought. Keep going. Yeah. This is like a perfect example of the world that we're living in. So for those that don't know that are listening or even watching on YouTube, like Ben and I, before we started recording, we set up our phones to do a live stream for Instagram and TikTok. I was doing a live on TikTok on my phone and Ben just pointed out like, yo, bro, uh, something happened in your life, like it stopped. And I went to go check it. And funnily enough, it says live access. Let's see. Live access suspended. And the reason is for misinformation. Your live access was suspended for violating our integrity and authenticity policy. We do not allow content that promotes inaccurate information. That's the world we live in. The resistance is strong. And that makes our message even more important. Uh, and by the way, everything we shared, we could, they could fact check us on that, right? There's research to back it up. Um, anyways, let's continue because that's a perfect example of how incredible things are these days. But when we talk about, I'm going to give you a, a crazy example. So let's say one of your listeners, we'll call her Rebecca. Rebecca decides it's Friday night and I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to eat two pizzas, like whole pizzas. I'm going to have 50 prunes. I'm going to have two cups of sauerkraut and two pounds of cheese and all this food. She's going to feast and alcohol. She wakes up the next morning and she feels like crap. She has all these symptoms. She has acid reflux. She's got brain fog. She's got constipation and really upset stomach. So she phones her doctor and she says, I need an appointment right now to deal with these symptoms that I'm dealing with. So her doctor's like, okay, we could get you in. Even though it's Saturday, let's get you in, Rebecca. So Saturday morning, she's walking to that office with her doctor, explaining all the symptoms. I'm dealing with this, 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 this. And her doctor says, no problem. We have an anti-flatulence. We have an antacid. We have five more medications that I could prescribe for you to help you with these symptoms. Now, what if the doctor would have had our mindset and said, 
what did you eat last night? And then the patient, Rebecca, would have said, I had all this food. And the doctor would have been like, oh, that's the cause. Don't do that again. Don't eat all that food in one sitting. Makes perfect sense because those symptoms that Rebecca was getting are actually gifts from the innate intelligence to show her you did something that actually caused interference in your body. And I'm showing you the symptoms so you correct it and bring your body back to homeostasis. Mm. So symptoms need to be looked at as blessings and gifts from the innate intelligence, this inner physician. And I got news for you. Cancer, diabetes, autoimmune disease, obesity, and all the other conditions people are dealing with are all symptoms. They're actually not the problem, to your point. They are a result of the problem. So we have Western medicine, conventional medicine, just chasing symptoms and treating symptoms like driving on a road trip and having the check engine light come on and just covering it up. Then we have you and I, and people are actually looking at uh, 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 functional medicine, excuse me, saying, hey, why is this check engine light on, the symptom? Let's turn the car around, pull it over, open up the hood, and find out, and then remove that interference. And then what happens is the symptoms go away, right? If you're dealing with weight gain, if you are 100 pounds overweight right now, you don't have a weight problem. You have a weight symptom. You get healthy, the weight comes off, you release it. But you don't chase the symptom and try to cut calories and focus on weight loss. You focus on health. So there's so many things we could compare that to when it comes to symptom chasing. Yeah. You're very good at just making these analogies that are so simple and so profound. Like literally, that analogy, like your check light engine comes on, right? You could literally like put tape over it. That's going to cover up the engine light. Or you could actually address the cause of why the check engine light is on in the first place. And those are the stories and analogies that actually, I think, bring this understanding to another level. And I want to piggyback what you said. We're so quick to label things like anxiety, ADHD and depression as these terrible things. When in reality, it's an opportunity for you to actually check in with yourself and ask yourself questions like, why am I experiencing these different feelings and emotions? Why are these things coming up? What did I eat yesterday, the last week? What relationships am I allowing myself to stay in even though they might be toxic? Am I doing work that's meaningful and purposeful? Am I moving my body, right? Like this is a common checklist that we should be going through to really check in with ourselves. And I remember when I first experienced like feelings of depression, I didn't even know what depression was. I was at the University of Oregon where there's like no sunshine for at least six months. And I went to the campus doctor and I mentioned that I was just feeling not like myself not trying to be in social situations, just feeling very isolated and lonely. And within 10 minutes, I got a prescription for an antidepressant, Mm. an SSRI. And not once did the doctor ask me what my nutrition was like, what my fitness was like, what my relationships were like, what my school was like, if I was going through any stressful situations, just being a college kid, not once. Hey Keto Camper, I want to interrupt this episode real quick and let you know about a product I've been using to reduce inflammation and to get better sleep. When it comes to the CBD 
space. It is like the wild, wild west. And the company I've discovered is Dr. Phillips Formulations. It is pure, safe, potent, and yes, it's formulated by a doctor. They bring over 20 years of medical experience to their CBD oil. They have a proprietary formulation which combines pure, high-quality ingredients with the knowledge of a board-certified physician. They have tinctures that are internationally certified for non-GMO. And here's what they also have, keto CBD fruit chews. Yes, they are keto-friendly, they taste delicious, and they're a great way to reduce inflammation in the body. If you want to get your hands on these CBD tinctures and keto fruit chews, head over to drphillipscbd.com. That is D-R-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S-C-B-D.com. We will also put a link for you in the podcast notes down below. Okay, let's get back to this episode. And I figured... On my own research, I realized like, oh, wow, sunlight actually plays a huge role in mental health. And I haven't seen any for like four months, yeah. right? Seasonal affective disorder is a real thing, yeah. right? And you know what's interesting about that story is that it's amazing because we live in a world right now, Jeremy, where the patient actually knows more about nutrition and lifestyle than the actual doctor. And we're educating these conventional doctors. That's the world we live in because they read books, they listen to podcasts, and conventional doctors don't have the time. That person you saw in the University of Oregon, they just didn't have the time. All they knew was, hey, this works for you know depression and symptoms towards depression. But we live in a world where we actually know more. The average human who is studying this information knows more than the actual doctor when it comes to nutrition and lifestyle behaviors. Yeah, and the average doctor learns less than 20 hours of nutritional content in their four years of medical school. And God knows what type of nutritional content they're <laughs> even being exposed to. It's funded by big food companies. That's what they're being exposed to. Yeah. And, and, and you know, there is a time and place for conventional doctors. We thank God for like a, a surgeries and all these things they do. But when it comes to changing your lifestyle and nutrition, it's like that's not their, their wheelhouse. Um, it's, just, it's just not. So, I don't know. I'm sure you probably saw this. I think it was last week. Came out, Psychology of Today, Psychology, Psychology Today. A bunch of other really respected medical journals were basically saying that depression is not a product of a chemical imbalance in the brain. Whoa. <laughs> which is really disheartening to think that for the last 50 years, we've been prescribing tens of millions of Americans with antidepressants and SSRIs with the intention that these drugs are going to boost their levels of serotonin production under the assumption that the reason they're depressed is because they lack serotonin, right? Yeah. So 50 years later, we come to this realization and the thing that bothers me is that none of these pharmaceutical companies are being held accountable. Mm -mm. And in addition to that, these drugs have really nasty side effects, sexual dysfunction, sleep disturbances, and really disrupting the gut microbiome. Mm. Which is connected to the brain, by the way, right? It's, it's a, it's all interconnected. Yeah, it's sad, Jeremy. It's sad because so many people, 
use this as like their last resort. They're really, they really need help. They're depressed. They can't go to work. They can't function in relationships. And I've been there. And they're really looking for things to help with that. So they put their trust into these medications, into these doctors, who I really believe they're really well-meaning psychologists, psychiatrists, right. doctors that are prescribing them. But it's the wrong paradigm. It's looking at the symptoms, not getting to the cause. It goes right back to everything that we're mentioning here. What is your premise? You know, me and Jeremy, we share the same premise. The body was built to heal, identify the in interference, remove the interference, the body heals itself. That's our premise. Would you agree to that? Yeah, for sure. And the premise of psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, doctors is the body's not been built to heal. It's actually, it needs help. It needs assistance. You're depressed. Your brain has a chemical imbalance. We need to give you something to help serotonin to be produced. But it's looking at the symptoms, looking at things that are really far removed from the cause. And that's a perfect example with what just came out about the depression and the meds. It's sad. It's really, it's awful. So I'm going to offer, because one of the things I love about you is that you present problems, but then you usually always follow it up with a healthy alternative and solution. So I want to do that now. And I want to share my three simple things, simple tips that you can do every single day to naturally boost your brain and your mood. And number one, natural light, preferably first thing in the morning, get that optic nerve to trigger some of those neurotransmitters mm -hmm. and really set your circadian rhythm in your body's biology. So take off your sunglasses is what you're saying. Yes. In the morning. Yep. Exactly. Number two, eating healthy fats, EPA, DHA, some wild caught salmon, some sardines, some grass fed beef, and then add in things like avocado, extra virgin olive oil, dark glass bottle. You already know. <laughs> and then finally, the unconventional one is stop scrolling so mindlessly on social media. It's good. Because every time you give your time and energy watching other people live their life instead of you living your own, of course, that's going to make you feel like shit. Right? Yeah. So I'm curious to know, what things do you want to add to that in well, terms I mean, of I, natural I, ways to boost our brain health? The last tip is, all those tips are great. Uh, morning sunlight, you know, sinking your circadian rhythm, healthy fats. But that last tip is probably the, the most important one because it's so common. Uh, and myself included, right? Like I have found myself over the last few years scrolling, looking at people in our space that have huge followings. And I'm like, man, they're crushing it. And I'm just like right here. And I start to put them on a pedestal, put myself down here. And then I, it puts me in this state that I don't like and enjoy, right? So I've gotten better at that. I think that's a very important tip because the average person is scrolling enough times on their phone with their finger to actually cross or uh, climb the Empire State Building. That's an article that came out. Picture that. On their phone oh. enough times like this to climb the Empire State Building. On a daily basis? On a daily basis. And it's not getting better. That's terrifying. It's getting worse. And we love social media the way we use it because we put educational content. We use it. We don't let it consume us. So um, your question was, what are three things or what would I just add to that just for like health and longevity in, yeah. in general? Okay. Like what, what are some of the primary things that you teach your community, your students on natural ways to just optimize their brain health? 
Brain health. Okay, got it. Yeah, intermittent fasting is great for the brain uh, because when the body, and you want to work your way up into a fast, think of fasting like a muscle. If you've never fasted before, you know, you start with 12 hours and 13, 14. We've kind of spoken about that before. But here's the amazing thing that happens when your body's in a fasted state. It's important to remember this. We're genetically hardwired for the old school, meaning the way that our ancestors lived. And they all practiced intermittent fasting. That is a fact. So when the body is in a fasted state, innate intelligence, which is this inner physician, thinks, whoa, 18 hours, no food, we're going through a famine. Let's keep this body and this brain alert and energized and focused so we could go out there and hunt and kill that tiger, that lion, whatever it is, that meal that we need to eat to stay alive. So it pumps the body full of these counter-regulatory hormones, cortisol, glucagon, human growth hormone, but for the brain, it produces brain-derived neurotropic factor. Mm. You know all about that, Jeremy, BDNF. This is miracle grow for your brain. This is brain fertilizer. And this is your innate intelligence, the body pumping your brain, pumping your system full of energy and resources and blood flow to go out there and hunt and kill. But the ultimate hack, you're not gonna do that because you live in a country that has food readily available. So you're just gonna use all that energy and focus to have an amazing, intentional, productive day. And that's one of the reasons why I love fasting. Mm. Can you also talk a little bit about autophagy? Yeah, it's another amazing benefit. Um, so autophagy, the Greek definition stands for eat thyself, which sounds pretty weird, right? But it's another amazing process from the innate intelligence. When there's no food energy coming in, the innate intelligence starts to think we're going through a famine. What are we going to do to preserve this body? Where are we going to get energy from? So you have this innate intelligence that are now, lo it's looking for cells inside of your body and mitochondria and proteins and fats that are dysfunctional. They are inflamed. And mm -hmm. autophagy is that process of going into those cells and repairing those cells. <laughs> Let me know when. Oh, keep going. And autophagy is that way of repairing the cell. So I have an analogy that I'm going to give for your audience. You've heard me share it before probably. It's uh, think of the refrigerator you have, right? You open up that refrigerator and you have groceries that all have an expiration date. The milk, the cheese, the butter, the orange juice, whatever it is. Right. What would happen if you just let all of those groceries inside of the refrigerator expire? You don't use them, but you let them expire. They get nasty. They, they get, get moldy. Nasty. They get moldy. But instead of throwing that na those nasty groceries in the trash, you just shove them towards the back of the fridge, go to Publix, Whole Foods, go to buy fresh groceries and put them in front of the old groceries and close that door. That's going to be disgusting, right, Jeremy? Mold, bacteria, disease will develop in that refrigerator. Human body is just like that refrigerator. We have cells, proteins, mitochondria, and fat that have these expiration dates on them. And if we're not taking the time to get rid of the trash, the junk, disease develops in the body. Autophagy is the process of getting rid of those expired groceries. And you get autophagy through fasting, you get autophagy through exercise, especially sprints that you love to do, and strength training. You get autophagy through synolytics, which are different ingredients. But this is why when you look at cancer, and this is very important because in America, one in three women are diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime. And for men, one in two go to cdc.org and you want to fact check that, it's on there right now. Cancer is everywhere in America. Dr. Thomas Seafried, who's an oncologist from Boston College, has said in his research that if you completed a seven-day water fast 
once a year, you would reduce your risk of any cancer by 95% because of this autophagy process. How empowering is that? We have control here. Wow. Have you done a seven-day fast? I did a five-day water fast, and I achieved what's called maximum autophagy, which is what he was referring to. So I'm metabolically flexible. You are too. So we could achieve what he's saying in seven days in three to five days. And you could test that by looking at blood glucose and ketones. So yes, I hit max autophagy. I did a five-day water fast. How about you? Have you done a log fast? Three days is my longest. It's great. Yeah. It was like a long weekend. And it wasn't easy. But it got easier as I went through it. And I felt fucking incredible. Mm. Like after probably the 24-hour mark, after I just realized like, oh, wow, I'm good. As long as I hydrate, I can still have a little black coffee. Yeah. I felt high levels of clarity and energy. And it actually inspires me to do another one in the near future because I usually do like a 24-hour one every other week. And then obviously I'm practicing intermittent fasting pretty frequently. Um, So powerful, bro. Yeah. Like it's so crazy. And that's a free tool, right? You don't have to spend any money to fast. You actually save money, right? You're not spending money on food. Yeah. Um, in regards to, in regards to, um, in regards to fasting as well, what would you say if someone has never tried fasting? Like what, what's something very simple that they can just do to really implement that practice and start getting results in a healthy, sustainable way? Good question. Because we're talking about all these amazing benefits, but somebody hears that and they're still what I call a sugar burner. They're metabolically unhealthy and they go and do like a 24 hour fast tomorrow. That's a bad idea. If you've been on your couch for 10 years and you run a marathon tomorrow, bad idea. You want to train for it. So what do we do to train for it is the question that you're asking. Right. First things first, we want to lower the hormone insulin in our body because most people are producing too much insulin. Insulin resistance leads to type two diabetes. Type 2 diabetes leads to cancer, heart disease, strokes, kidney amputations, or kidney failure and, and amputations. And here's the fact. Most people don't even die from diabetes. They die from all the diseases connected to it. Same thing happened to my dad. But it starts with insulin resistance. So the number one thing I want your audience to do, if they haven't done this in the last year, go get a fasting insulin blood test. Mm. That should be a high priority. If that number is over 5, you are on your road to insulin resistance. If it's over 10 you have insulin resistance. If it's over 25, you've got some big problems. And conventional doctors will let that happen for years before your A1C changes and they say you have type 2 diabetes. But if you would have gotten that fasting insulin done, you would have made that change. And there was a study that came out, and this is going to tie into the fasting question, in 2018 from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. This is a 10-year study with over 8,000 people in the study. So it was wow. a pretty, pretty big pool of people. And they wanted to determine how healthy or how unhealthy are American adults. So okay. they looked at blood pressure, BMI, A1C, on medication, off medication. And here was the result. 88% of American adults are metabolically unhealthy. And Jeremy, that was before COVID. You think that got better or worse after COVID? Definitely worse. Definitely worse, right? So they have insulin resistance. So the first step is to find ways to lower insulin before you even practice too much fasting. So how do you do that? 
Well, when you think about the three macronutrients, carbohydrates, protein, and fat, carbohydrates will spike glucose and insulin the most. Different carbs produce different responses, but carbs will spike insulin the most. So therefore, we want to lower carbs, increase protein and fat, because fat doesn't touch the dial on insulin, and protein has a different insulin response. Eat more fat and protein, eat less carbs. Now, that could be keto, or that could just be low-carb paleo. Either way will work. Once you've done that for 7 to 14 days, then eliminate your snacking in between meals. Have your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But as you know, and I shared this last time, the average American is eating 17 to 23 times per day. So crazy. Isn't that nuts? And people hear me say that and they think I'm making that up. But if you really think about it, my definition of eating is anytime they start to digest the process and raise glucose and insulin. So the almonds, the kombucha, the protein bar, the protein shake, throughout the day, people are grazers. And if you want to age fast and develop disease, eat every two to three hours. You'll get there very, very soon. So eliminate the snacking, have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then you could start with the 12-hour fast and work your way up. Yeah. Well, that was incredible. <laughs> that literally provided so much value. Unreal. I can only imagine how much value you're providing your community and students every single day. So if you are someone who really wants to optimize this part of your life, your nutrition, your hormones, right? Getting your nutrition dialed in, your insulin sensitivity resistance, and remove maybe pre-diabetes from your life, you just want to get on a healthier path, definitely check out Ben's work and dive deeper with him because his students are getting absolutely incredible results. So hit the link in the description because this work needs to be shared with as many people as possible, bro. I'm so grateful that you're, you're really doing this and giving people the tools to be their own healer, to be their own doctor. And I think that's something that we're very aligned with is wanting the people that we work with, our students, our clients, to eventually become their own practitioner, their own doctor, because nobody knows your body better than you do. And once you learn how to actually listen to the signals that your body's constantly giving you, you can actually start listening and giving it exactly what it's asking for. Whether that's nutrition, sleep, movement, relationships. And that's when you start to really create true healing, right? It's beautiful. Amen. Amen to that, brother. That's what it's all about. And it starts with taking responsibility. It really does. That's where everything changed for me. When you take responsibility, it's impossible to be the victim, to blame other people, to blame your genetics, to blame your enabling family members. Responsibility is your ability to respond to life. The better that is, the better your life. That's where it starts. That, that is the starting point of all change. It's taking ownership and responsibility, which you've done in your life, changed this, the course of your life. I've done with mine, but that's where it's at. So we hope we have given a lot of people who felt hopeless hope and the starting point is responsibility. And once you take ownership, we're excited to hear your stories. We're excited to hear some success that came out of this episode. And Jeremy, I love what you're doing. You're changing so many lives. You've grown so much over the last few years. And you're just getting started, brother. You know, day we one, are. every day, both of us, dude. And there's so many people that are changing their lives because of your work and what you're doing. And I learn from you all the time. I love how you show up. I love your energy. I love your authenticity. So keep showing up. The world needs you. And thank you for bringing me back on your show. Wait, by the way, by the way, I think you thought I was ending the show 
by saying to like go oh, check out your work. I did, yeah. No, no, yeah. I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> I was literally just telling you guys because hopefully in a short conversation with Ben, you can see how much knowledge and wisdom he has. Thank so you. dive deeper, honestly. Dive deeper. Like if any of the stuff, if you're watching on the live streams right now and like stuff that Ben is saying is hitting you, like go to his profile, check out his links and get involved with him. Trust me, trust me. I would never give somebody my, my endorsement if I didn't strongly believe in what they're doing. Okay. So thank you, Jeremy. And I meant everything I said, even though we're not ending. <laughs> I appreciate you, bro. Yeah. So check out, check out Ben's links. He's one of my, like, like I said, one of the dudes that I really look up to in the space and I'm grateful to have him as a friend. And it's been way too long since we've done this and just That's like true. connected. Yeah. Um, a lot, something you said though, really resonated. And I think this is something that is holding so many people back with their health and their happiness. And that is they are addicted to playing the victim. They're addicted to blaming their parents for their problems. They're addicted to blaming external circumstances. They're addicted to blaming their, their genetics. They're addicted to making excuses. And I want you to understand that there's zero power when you're playing the victim. The power starts to happen when you understand that you're actually the creator of your reality. Regardless of the shitty hand that you've been dealt regardless of what else is happening in your life, you literally have the power and potential inside of you to create a new narrative, a new story, and a new reality for yourself. And I think if people continue playing the victim and just saying like, oh, my parents had a heart attack or my grandparents had Alzheimer's, I'm destined for failure, I'm destined for disease, well, guess what? You're gonna get it. If that's your mentality and mindset, about living your life, then you're gonna continue manifesting those mediocre results, right? Yeah, I, I love that. I 100% agree with you, Jeremy. And I was the victim before, right? I was blaming everyone and everything. Uh, and then I became the victor. And that's where there is power, right? When you're a victor, not a victim. But it feels good to blame other people temporarily because it takes the responsibility away from you. Mm. And it leaves you powerless, but it gives you this short-term kind of gain. And it's a weird place to be in. And I've been there myself. But like you said, if you expect those things to happen to you, there's a power in expectation. Mm. There's a big power in expectation. And I'm going to give you an example of this. It's a story from the Bible, but it's not a religious share that I'm about to share real quick. Moses, who we all know was a leader and he had followers. In the Bible, there was a story about Moses leading his followers through the desert, and he wanted to change the consciousness, the paradigm, the subconscious mind of his followers before he took them into this new beautiful land. Mm. So they're walking in the desert. Moses is leading this group of people, and there's no food. There's no water. They're dehydrated. Everybody's complaining, and he wanted to change their consciousness. They were playing the victim card, but he wanted to make them into victors and had, he wanted to give them faith. So all of his followers walked up to Moses and said, hey, Moses, we're going to die out here, dude. You're leading us to our death. What are you doing? You don't know anything. They're blaming him, blaming him, blaming him. So Moses said, hey, why don't you go pray to God for rain? We could collect that rain, drink it, hydrate, and keep going. So they go out there and they pray. Hours later, no rain, no land, no food. They're really mm. complaining, and they're really victims at this point. 
They walk up to Moses and they say, Moses, God has forsaken us. We're going to die out here. And Moses takes a step back. He looks at them. He looks around and he says, where are the ditches? And they're like, what do you mean ditches? And Moses said, if you would have truly expected rain, you would have dug the ditches to collect that rainfall. I don't see any ditches out there. Your expectation was not what actually what you thought it was. Mm-hmm. And that is the power of expectation. You, faith over fear. You could actually create amazing things when you truly expect good things to happen, or mm. you could create bad things if you truly expect bad things to happen. By the way, great story. I wonder if they actually used the word dude back then <laughs> in the Bible. Probably like, not. I, I ad-libbed a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, but, but I'm actually curious, like, how and when some of these different terms and things became used yeah, like widely like who's the first person to use the word dude and like how did that all come about and i'm curious to know like when did when did cancer when is the first documented case of cancer do you know probably in the 1930s probably otto warburg was doing some work in the beginning. I, w- I, would, I would guess, I would have to fact check, but sometime in the 1900s, maybe 1920s or 30s. It's that recent of a phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. It might be a little bit longer, but it's definitely within the last 100 years or so. Uh, I believe, I believe. We need to fact check that. That's absolutely maybe Santiago wild. Santiago could fact check this. Go fact yeah, check we need, Santiago. Yeah, we need to get like, I think his name's Jamie, Joe yeah. Rogan's guy. Like, definitely need to have some, bring someone. Where we kind of scroll and, and look yeah. things up right here yeah. on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Santiago, come on. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely. No, I, we, I, can, I can definitely piece something together. A couple things you said, though. Hey, I want to take a brief minute to share something with you. For many years, I used to take fish oil and recommend it. And I see a lot of people in the keto space overdoing it with fish oil. There are several reasons why I am not a fan of fish oil and why I stopped recommending it to all of my clients several years ago. Number one, 83% of fish oil is expected to be rancid on the shelf before you even consume it. There was also an experiment done. This study was called the Iowa Screening Experiment. This study showed it took 18 weeks to reverse the negative effect of the incorporation of EPA and DHA from fish oil into the cell membrane. Another study found that fish oil increased the risk of colon cancer in mice. Here's the quote. We found that mice developed deadly late-stage colon cancer when given high doses of fish oil. More importantly, with the increased inflammation, it only took four weeks for the tumors to develop. Simply put, I stopped taking it. I stopped recommending it. I use a plant-based omega from Pureform. This supplement is nitrogen-infused, which preserves and protects it. It has the proper balance of omega-6 to omega-3, and most importantly, it gives you the derivatives, the building blocks, they're called parent essential oils, for you to produce your own EPA and DHA. If you wanna learn more about Pureform, head over to purelifescience.com. Use the coupon code BEN4, that is B-E-N, the number four, at checkout, and you'll get $4 off your capsules of Pureform. We will also drop a link for you down below in the podcast notes. One of the things that I've done probably this last year or so is take radical accountability and ownership for every area of my life, right? Obviously with my health, 
with my business, with my relationships. So now when something goes wrong, even if I don't think that I have anything to do with it, even if I do think that somebody made a mistake or an error in judgment, I'm practicing taking accountability and taking a step back and asking myself, is there anything I could have done differently to have avoided this happening? And there usually is always something, bro. Yeah. Like I could have communicated more clearly, right? With someone on my team, or I could have gone to sleep earlier. If I feel like a little fatigued the next day, there's always something that we can do to create a brighter future for ourselves. Right. And that radical accountability and ownership is hard. That's why very few people ever do it, but it actually is the gateway to freedom. Accountability is a gateway to freedom. And most people are a prisoner of their own mind because they're stuck in the victim role. They're constantly blaming other people and making excuses. And like you said, maybe that feels good in the moment, but you know, and I know, that shit is doing absolutely nothing positive for changing the situation and creating a brighter future for yourself. Or the world. Exactly. Yeah. Radical accountability. I love that. I love that. You're so right. Accountability is that roadmap, roadmap to success and freedom. I agree with you. It's like the glue that ties your goals to your results. That accountability is going to get that there fast. It's going to help you get there faster than anything else. I agree with you, Jeremy. I, I want to switch topics a little bit to something that I know we're both pretty passionate about. And I wanted to make sure we addressed it on this episode. I, think I know where you're leading to. Let's see. <laughs> so on social media, on the internet, there's so many of these fitness professionals and fitness gurus and weight loss experts that are constantly talking and preaching about being in a calorie deficit. You must be in a calorie deficit if you want to lose weight and get healthy. And I just, first of all, want to say that that approach is absolute garbage and bullshit. And I would love for you to dive deeper as to why. Yeah. Well said. Well said, Jeremy. There are a lot of people teaching this nonsense. And I used to be one of them. I'm guilty. And I took responsibility and accountability and I stopped teaching that. I used to host seminars here in Miami eight years ago, seven years ago, titled it the science of fat loss. And I used to teach people how to get in a calorie deficit, how to use your body as a calculator. And I did that for years. And I realized I was doing a big disservice to my community. Do calories matter? A hundred percent. Yes. Are calories important? No, they are so low on that totem pole. They're so low on priorities that they're more of a distraction. Mm. And these fitness people, these nutritionists, these dietitians, they're leading people towards distraction. Okay. Let me give you a perfect example. Let's say we got the honor of attending a workshop by Warren Buffett to learn about wealth, right? Cause this guy's a billionaire. He knows what he's talking about. So we, Jeremy raises his hand and he's like, Warren, Warren, how do I become rich like you? And Warren Buffett says, that's easy, Jeremy, just spend less than you earn and you'll be rich like me. And then he goes on to a different question. And Jeremy's like, wait a minute. Yeah, that makes sense. But there's no solution in that. That's the same thing with calories. In versus calories out. It doesn't give you the solution. 
It's a distraction. So what really matters then, Jeremy? The metabolic response from those calories. If Jeremy ate 500 calories of Skittles every single day for 30 days, and I ate 500 calories of steak every single day for 30 days, who's going to be healthier in 30 days? The person? I don't know, bro. <laughs> Skittles, Skittles have a lot of nutrition. Yes. No. Um, <laughs> completely different hormonal response, right? Right. You can't, um, protein, you can't over, it's hard to overeat protein. It activates different hormones and chemicals, cholecystokinin, peptide YY, leptin. These are hormones and chemicals that signal to your body and your brain, you're full. How many of those the Skittles activate? Zero, right? So it's not about the calories, it's about the quality of those calories. It's about the metabolic response. The human body is not a calculator, not a bank account or a math equation. It is a complex chemistry lab and we need to treat it as such. So we need to take our focus away from counting calories and put it on inflammation, hormones, and cellular metabolism. That should be priority. And anybody who's teaching you the other direction of counting calories, red flag, call them out, let them know this does not work long-term. It actually fails them 99% of the time long-term. So let's get away from the nonsense of calorie counting, which is symptom chasing, back to our conversation, and get to the root cause, which is inflammation and hormonal health. Yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. I'm always learning. Selfishly, I'm asking questions that I'm also going to get value from. Um, in addition to that, dude, I think obsessing about counting calories leads to so much anxiety. You are not designed to weigh out every single portion of food on a scale and count every single calorie. That's fucking miserable. Do you really want to spend your life living like that? That is bringing zero enjoyment to food, to eating. Like eating is supposed to be ceremonial. It's supposed to be celebratory. It's supposed to be, enjoy there's supposed to be enjoyment in that. It's a point of connection, right? To your food, to the planet, to the soil, to other humans. And instead, when you're constantly obsessing about fucking calories, bro, it's just like diminishing the value of food so much. Right. Yeah, that's a very important addition to it. You're so right. It's not healthy to be compulsive over these things, to stress over it. That alone, it's going to cause inflammation and lead to a weight loss plateau, right? And that's just one or a few of many reasons why this is not the direction that we teach our audience. Yeah. It, it's symptom chasing. And it's, it's unfortunate because a lot of like really big fitness people out there still teach it. They think keto is BS or fasting is BS or paleo is BS. They think in order to lose weight, all you need to do is be in a calorie deficit. That is their one solution. And it's actually not a solution. It's actually a distraction. Yeah. One of the things that you said actually has me feeling even more respect for you. Because you said seven or eight years ago, you were giving seminars on calorie counting and calorie deficit, right? But you were not dogmatic and you were mentally flexible to be open to learning other perspectives and you were able to discover other truths, yeah. right? So I think that's so important because we live in a world now that's so divisive that it's left versus right. It's blue versus red. It's pro-vax and anti-vax, right? So for you to actually 
have the humility to understand like, hey, I was wrong, you know? And now I'm curious to learn what's right so I can share that truth, you know? And I think that's a really powerful lesson is like never be so attached to your beliefs to the point that you're not willing to hear other points of views and perspectives because that is exactly how we get to a place that we are right now in America where I'm getting censored and banned on social media for simply sharing my opinion, which happens to also be factual and truthful. But just the fact that my voice is getting censored for sharing my opinion is absolutely unpatriotic. It's un-American, quite frankly. I agree with you. So I'm grateful that you have that kind of flexibility again to like change your perspectives. Now, one thing again that I don't think we touched on today, but I think is absolutely critical for just human optimization is mitochondria. Yeah, yeah. So I would love if you could explain exactly what mitochondria are, how important they are, and maybe a couple simple things we can do to optimize our mitochondrial health. Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought this up. I love talking about the mitochondria because mitochondrial dysfunction, meaning your mitochondria are not functioning well, it's pretty much linked to every disease out there, mm. including ADHD and diabetes and cancer. So what are the mitochondria? Um, a singular mitochondria is called mitochondrion, but there's uh, thousands or actually millions of mitochondria in a single body. So we know them as these energy factories. Every cell inside of the human body, there's about 70 trillion cells, have these energy factories called the mitochondria. That's one role. They're pumping out energy. They're pumping out uh, energy currency called ATP, uh, adenosine triphosphate. So think of that as like the gasoline of your cells, but the mitochondria are the factories that's producing it. Somebody who's healthy, somebody who's living way past 100 years old, disease-free, somebody who has great energy levels, somebody who's lean, vibrant, um, who's living a very healthy, long life, has healthy mitochondria. Mm. Somebody who has a lot of symptoms has unhealthy mitochondria. That's one role of the mitochondria, Jeremy. There's a second role to the mitochondria. They're actually surveillance systems to determine threats. This is some real cool recent research. Dr. Robert, Robert Navio has put out research out there. So the mitochondria have their own intelligence, mm -hmm. and it's looking for threats as a survival mechanism because the number one priority for the human body is survival. Right. And the mitochondria are a big part of this. So if there's a lot of stress, threats, the mitochondria will shut down energy production to preserve its life. Mm. So when I say stress, that could be mental, emotional, that could be physical, that could be chemical toxicity, but too much stress in any of those areas, mitochondria looks at it, threat, 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 let's lower energy production to preserve life. And then that leads to all these symptoms. So this is called cell danger response. People who have COVID wow. and they get sick, but they don't recover. They have long haul COVID. Have you heard of that before? Like, like symptoms that long. Yeah. That's cell danger response. Autoimmune disease is cell danger response. This is the mitochondria looking at it as a threat, but then staying stuck in that threat. Mm. So what can we do to support the mitochondria? That should be the next question that the audience is thinking about. And I know that you were going to ask that. Ketosis is a great way to um, support the mitochondria. And I'm not dogmatic about keto. It's one tool out of many. We teach keto flexing, as you know, going in and out. 
but here's what the research shows. When ketones are in your body as a result of burning body fat, those ketones actually communicate with the mitochondria to make more of themselves. Mm. 400% more energy than glucose. Wow. That's a lot, right? So it's creating more energy. But when you create more energy, you create more free radicals, which could be a problem, right? But the second thing that happens when your body's producing ketones, the mitochondria go through this uncoupling process. So Dr. Stephen Gundry shared an analogy on my podcast about a pressure cooker. If you're using a pressure cooker and you get all this steam built up, mm. you have the release valve that releases it, right? right. That's kind of like what your mitochondria are doing when you are producing all this energy from ketosis. So it creates mitogenesis, more mitochondria. That's a very powerful way to boost your mitochondria health. Exercise like sprinting and strength training, amazing way to support mitochondrial health, uh, fantastic. Quality sleep, incredible way to repair mitochondria and go through mitophagy, intermittent fasting as well. So there's several things we can do about this, which is very inspiring because we can make a difference with our health here. Yeah, wow, that's really powerful with that whole surveillance Isn't system. Isn't that interesting, dude? It really just further reminds me how intelligent the human body is it's absolutely incredible how intelligent our human body is from the inside out it's amazing and it literally has the ability to be so resilient and overcome so much trauma so much pain so much inflammation so much injury so much shit Throughout our lifetime. Like so it's, many hits. It's absolutely incredible. And it's just another reason why we need to show it the love it needs and deserves. Yeah. Like, we only get one of these. We only get one, bro. You're right. You yeah. know? It's pretty incredible when you think about the fact that we've been gifted this physical avatar. And we have... The ability to create whatever type of body we want. I know a lot of people are choosing to create an overweight body, even an obese body. I personally am going to continue choosing to create a lean body, a capable body, a powerful body that energizes me, that allows me to focus, that allows me to get shit done, that allows me to serve humanity in a powerful way. What about you? What yeah, body are you I mean, choosing? Because we're clear on our mission, right? And that's what's driving us because we need a healthy body to achieve that. Um, but you're so right about the human body. I'm just so blown away about how magnificent it is, right? I believe in God. So I always tell my um, students that, you know, you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. And if you just think about the healing processes of the human body, you cut yourself there's an intelligence sent to that area to begin to heal it, right? And then it creates a scab, and then eventually it's back to normal. When I got sick with COVID last month, we actually had to reschedule the first interview here. I had a fever of 104.5. And what do most people do when they have a fever? How do I reduce this fever? I'm going to take a leave. I'm going to take Tylenol. I'm going to put ice packs. My thought process is the human body is built to heal itself. The innate intelligence is giving my body a fever for a reason. Why am I going to block that? The fever is actually used to create heat shock proteins to deal with the virus. 
So I didn't do anything to suppress that fever. That's my innate intelligence doing its job. So I sat in bed for two days, fever went away, recovered by day six back to 100%. I didn't block it. I let the body do its thing. And that's how magnificent the human body is if we stop blocking it and let it do its job. Yeah. Wow. That just opened up a whole new can of worms <laughs> with things like NyQuil and Tylenol that are literally treated like Skittles. Yeah. People pop these things every night like it's nothing. Not understanding that a huge detriment that both of those compounds are doing is depleting levels of glutathione production in the liver, right? And really weakening your immune system. So people are taking these pills to help their fever or heal from a cold or reduce pain. What they're actually doing is doing their liver a huge disservice and they're not allowing their body to tap into that innate intelligence, right. which you spoke about. Yeah, so if somebody experiences like a, short, a sore shoulder or a sprained ankle, they're icing, they're taking all these things, but the body knows what to do with that acute inflammation. And it might give you some temporary relief, but to Jeremy's point, you're depleting glutathione in your liver, the most important master antioxidant. You are doing some things to your gut and to your brain. Uh, have some faith in the human body. I mean, it was built to heal. It's just a different paradigm that I come from and that you come from versus what most people think about. I want to close the, the loop real quick on the mitochondria thing and give your audience a couple of cool biohacks on that. Yeah. So it's estimated Please. by the age 70, about 70% of mitochondria is lost. Mm. And we actually get all of our mitochondria from our mom, uh, which is super interesting. Um, so I mentioned ketosis, fasting, and, and strength training. Those are great for the mitochondria, but there's some other things that we can do. So super interesting research melatonin, right? You've heard of melatonin. People think of it like a sleep agent, but it's actually more than that. Every cell in your body actually produces melatonin and it's the number one most important antioxidant for the mitochondria. The most important one. Only two antioxidants could get into the mitochondria and melatonin is one of them. And uh, if you take high-dose melatonin cyclically, that could be a great way to support the mitochondria. I take that actually a suppository of 100 milligrams melatonin, but taking melatonin cyclically, uh, even though it's a hormone, it doesn't have the issue of shutting down your own endogenous production. There's no research, research to show that. So I wouldn't worry about that, but it's a great way to get antioxidants in the body. And then astaxanthin. Um, so astaxanthin is what makes... Uh, uh, salmon, that orange, or that, yeah, that orange kind of color. Astaxanthin is also an algae. And astaxanthin acts as, because every uh, mitochondria also has a membrane, just like your cells have a membrane. Astaxanthin acts as a barrier to protect that membrane. So good things mm. could go into the mitochondria membrane, bad things could go out like toxins. So it's one of the best ways to support that membrane of the mitochondria. And astaxanthin is like edible sunscreen, meaning you talk a lot about taking toxic sunscreen, what that's doing to destroy you. You want to get sun. I agree with 100% of that. When you take astaxanthin orally, like through supplementation, it actually protects you and prevents you from getting sunburned. Mm. So if you're going to spend a lot of sun time outside in the sun, especially here in Miami, take 12 milligrams of astaxanthin, and you get all the benefits of the sunshine without actually getting burned, which is a cool biohack. Wow. Those are both super powerful. Astaxanthin and melatonin. Are you doing the suppositories from uh, Dr. John, John Lawrence? Yeah, yeah, Sandman. Yeah, exactly. Cool. 
and he he's super big on melatonin like as a, mir- a miracle mo- yeah. molecule right that's really interesting um let me see what time it is i know um oh yeah okay we're about to wrap up here we're gonna probably split this up in two episodes cool just because yeah. yeah i Whatever think that's gonna do. this is gonna be this one's fucking <laughs> <Deep>. incredible <laughs> yeah okay I, i'm gonna give you the choice because there's some things on here that we uh we had as like some bullet points we were gonna cover going into this conversation um we covered damn near a majority yeah dude like we went deep. I'm really grateful. And it was like super organic and not forced at all, which is always the best way to operate. That's the, that's the only way we operate, dude, when we get together. Seriously. Yeah, it's f- pure flow state. Pure flow state. Um, okay. So we can talk about veganism and your thoughts on the vegan diet and lifestyle. Um, <laughs> or we could, uh, talk about anything else, bro. That is on your mind. That is on your heart that you think would bring massive value to everyone listening and watching. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Um, we could go into the vegan veganism topic just because I know a lot of people hear about it and they kind of fall for a lot of the propaganda, right? So, I'm going to tie in the veganism to the seed oil thing. Okay. Perfect. Because when you think about these plant-based burgers, like the Beyond Burger, you, you've called them out a lot on your TikTok channel. I love it. They're loaded with inflammatory ingredients, inflammatory fats. Compare that to beef, right? You just have one ingredient, 100% beef. But you look at the ingredients in a plant-based burger, you got 10, 15, 30, 40 ingredients, things you can't pronounce, including inflammatory seed oils. Now, that's one problem. Another problem is that there's not one culture in the history of humankind that has stuck to the same diet long term. Mm. Not one until the last 50, 100 years or so. That's a new problem for us. So, yeah, our ancestors, maybe they did the vegan diet, plant-based from time to time. But when they had the option, they ate the meat. They ate, you know, they did keto. They did all, they varied their diet. That's where the magic is, diet variation. It's what my mentor, Dr. Pampa, teaches, and that's where it's about. So eating the same diet long-term, it's going to just be a matter of time before you experience symptoms, and then if you keep going before you experience diagnosis. Mm. Your genetics will determine that, and your stress bucket will determine that. So I love the vegan diet, Jeremy, short-term. I love the carnivore diet, which is the opposite, short-term. I love the keto diet, short-term. The magic is in the variation. It's with the change. When you change your foods, you change your gut microbiome. You create more diversity. The more diverse your gut, the healthier you are. And all disease is linked to the gut. So it's a matter of changing Mm. things up. We don't want to be dogmatic about it. Health over dogma should be what we're doing here, not dogmatism and propaganda from these films. So I love that you call them out, and we love you vegans. But, hey, what you're doing long-term to your body, you're starving your body away from nutrients that are built for your brain, your hormones, and so much more. Yeah. That was really dope. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, removing dogma is definitely going to be a beneficial thing for humanity as a whole. Um, I have a lot of vegan friends, plant-based friends. Me too. Uh, and I love them just the same. I'm not going to like anyone less based on 
what they eat or don't eat. So let me just put that out there. Or who they vote for or don't vote for. Yeah. yeah. It's all love all the time. Anyways. I believe that a majority of vegans don't actually practice healthy lifestyles with the food they consume because they are exposing themselves to a bunch of these industrial seed oils. They think just because something is vegan or a restaurant is vegan, it equates to it being healthy, which is the furthest thing from the truth. In addition to that, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, vitamin B deficiency, B12, protein deficiency. But I'm also concerned about the healthy fats, like the omega-3s, the EPA and DHAs, which you usually find in animal-based products. So when it comes to the vegan diet and lifestyle, that is my biggest concern is where are they getting those brain-boosting nutrients from? So where? They're not. They're, they're, they're essentially you know, starving their brain and their hormones of these important nutrients. And it's just a matter of time before symptoms will manifest. There are some great ways mm. to mask it up. I mean, you could get really strategic with pairing different proteins, plant-based proteins to make it complete. But the fact of the matter is that it's not an optimal long-term diet. Yeah. It's going to cause more problems. And these vegan products are loaded with seed oils. And we know the issue with seed oils. They're, seed oils are more inflammatory than sugar. And some even say smoking, right? Because guess what? You could burn off excess sugar by doing some squats and exercising. These seed oils, the half-life of linoleic acid, which are these vegetable oils, the half-life is two years, Jeremy. Meaning if you'd made the decision today to stop eating seed oils, these omega-6 fats, and you got rid of them, two years from now, half of them will still remain in your body fat. They are highly inflammatory, and they lead to cancer, heart disease, and a whole host of problems, including insulin resistance. And I shared this, and I'm going to share it again because it really drives the point home when I want to deliver this message. I interviewed Dr. Kay Shanahan. Uh, I think you've interviewed her as well. Uh, so Dr. Kay Shanahan, medical doctor, she wrote great books out there, Deep Nutrition, Fat Burn Fix. She was the nutritionist for the Los Angeles Lakers when Kobe Bryant used to play. She taught Kobe Bryant about seed oils and bone broth. She got Dwight Howard, Howard off of his sugar addiction. She's an amazing resource. I interviewed her and a gentleman named Brian Peskin, who's an MIT researcher who has done a lot of research on seed oils. And I asked them both the same question. I asked first Brian Peskin, What's worse? What's going to cause disease faster? Smoking two packs of cigarettes every single day or eating these inflammatory fats, these seed oils? So Brian Peskin, very analytical guy, he says, well, according to the research, if somebody smoked two packs of cigarettes every day for 28 years, the chances of them developing lung cancer within those 28 years is about 16%, one six. Then he said, if somebody ate these inflammatory fats, these vegetable oils, every day in their salad dressings, cooking it with their food, every day for 28 years, the chances of them developing cancer or heart disease is 86%. That's just one man's research, right? That's just this guy's research. So I asked Dr. Kay Shanahan if his research aligned with her research, and she said, actually, Ben, that 86% chance of disease is closer to 100% chance of disease, right? She even, during the beginning of COVID, she was on Bill Maher, she was on Fox, yeah. showing the link between countries that consumed the most linoleic acid, seed oils, and the countries that had the most deaths from COVID. She was showing the correlation between that. So they're highly inflammatory. They're an aggressive 
oxygen attractor. And the reason is because of their chemical structure. They're called polyunsaturated fats. Poly meaning dub many double bonds, many opportunities to attract oxygen, which make these fat molecules unstable. They're oxidized. Think of oxidation as biting into an apple and leaving the apple on the counter, it turns brown. That's kind of what's happening to your body. And the processing of them are disgusting. I want your audience to go on YouTube and type in how canola oil is made and see how disgusting it looks going through the processing um, process. They put detergents and cleaning agents and it has all this, it's disgusting. So I'm gonna give your audience a list of what Dr. Kate Shanahan calls the hateful eight. We wanna avoid these and they're in a lot of vegan foods, by the way. We have canola, cottonseed, corn oil. We have sunflower oil, soybean oil, and safflower oil. And then we have rice bran oil and grapeseed oil. Those are the hateful eight. Swap those for saturated fats, monounsaturated fats. Your favorite monounsaturated fat is olive oil, dark glass bottle, right? Oleocanthals, like make sure it burns your throat, makes you cough, like that's legit olive oil. Um, you also have avocado oil that's not cut. You have butter, ghee, grass-fed, duck fat. You have beef tallow. These are much healthier for your body. Yeah. That's so crazy with how destructive these seed oils are. And it's, I'm curious to know, you said, you said uh, there's the research in regards to the countries that consume the most of them in COVID, right? Does any country consume more seed oils in America? Yeah, I think, I think, um, I, I'm going to ask Dr. K. Shanahan this, but I think South America does. And I think India might as well. Really? Yeah, I think I got to double check. But America South America doesn't necessarily surprise me, but India surprises me just because India is like where a lot of Eastern medicine rose up from. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I would love to learn more about that. Um, and I want to call out someone since sometimes, you know, we did this with, we did this with Oatly and then one month later that video hit like 2 million views and then. One month later, uh, one month later, Oatly was recalled. So <laughs> that's funny. And it got me a dope brand <laughs> deal with Mulk. Oh, that's cool. So it was like it was like it was cool. So, but anyways, uh, I know I, I I put out a video like a couple of days with this, but if anyone's watching from the American Heart Association, come on, y'all, y'all are absolute criminals. You're literally putting your seal of approval on some of the most toxic inflammatory products in the world. Cheerios. I can't believe it's not butter. Other cereals that are laced with glyphosate. You are the reason why 600,000 Americans die from heart disease every single year. It's because of your corruption. It's because you are taking millions of dollars from these huge corporations to put your seal of approval. And it's a huge disservice. It needs to be stopped. You need to be held accountable. And that's exactly why I'm speaking out against it. And do you support this message? 100%. It's, it's almost criminal. I mean, Dr. Kay Shanahan calls the American Heart Association the biggest fake news organization in America. Yeah, we're talking to you. So let's get this podcast viral. Let's get this clip viral. Let's spread this message of truth. Even if TikTok Live bans us, we still come in 
we still come in strong. Mr. Benazadi, I want to acknowledge you, bro, because, man, every time I sit down with you, I literally learn so much, and you're one of the best communicators in this space that I've come across. The way that you're able to break down such complex topics into a very simple way is really a gift, bro. And I think that's why you've been able to create such powerful momentum the last five, six, seven years is because you've really worked at that craft and it, it's so indicative when you speak. And I'm so grateful for you, bro. Thank really. You, brother. I'm grateful for you, Jeremy. Love what you're doing. Love how you show up. This has been, I think, our best conversation yet. Like we just get into this flow state and I, I really believe it's going to make a big difference for a lot of people. So thank you for allowing me to serve your community again. Hell yeah. And where can people find you and connect with you? My website has everything. Benazadi.com will have my books, my programs, et cetera. So everything's in one place over at Benazadi.com. Cool. And social medias? That's on the website as well. So uh, I'm just at the Benazadi on all platforms too. Yeah. Phenomenal content. The Keto Camp podcast too. Yeah. Just continues to grow and expand. Um, the YouTube content, the IG, the TikTok, like it's all there. It's all getting seen and heard. And um, wow, this conversation literally has me so inspired. So thank you for that, bro. This was so much fun and I can't wait for next time. I can't wait to just continue connecting and building our friendship. Me too, brother. I'm inspired. Let's go. Let's get it. Much love, everybody. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening until the end. If you are still here, that is just a huge sign that you don't have ADHD. You don't have one of these attention deficit disorders. You literally have an incredible attention span. So acknowledge yourself. Celebrate yourself for still being here. We appreciate you. Go check out Ben's stuff. Go hit the link in the descriptions. And most importantly, take ownership of your health, of your happiness, because you only get one life and you deserve to make that life count. Let's get it. Much love. Peace. I hope you enjoyed that fun, incredible, energetic, life-changing conversation with Jeremy. I told you he's got a lot of energy. Um, and some of those topics were a little controversial. If you want to learn more about Jeremy, I do encourage you to check him out. His website is thejeremyabramson.com. We'll put it down below. His podcast is called Thrive University Podcast. Go listen to it. Go subscribe to it. His Instagram handle and his TikTok handle is CoachJeremy305. You could hire him for coaching, for speaking. Uh, if Just go to his website, thejeremyabramson.com to learn more about him. He is awesome. If you want to watch the video format of today's release, podcast release, that's on our YouTube channel. Great edit, great video production. The entire interview is on there. So if you want to watch it, go to youtube.com slash ketocamp and watch it. And uh, consider sharing this with somebody you know. Please leave the show a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening from. And shoot me a in, in, uh, text message, not a text message, excuse me, a, a DM, a direct message on Instagram with the word energy if you want to learn more about my health coaching and I could potentially be your coach. My Instagram handle is at the Benazadi. Hope you have an incredible day. Uh, this Friday, we have a brand new episode with Dr. Boz. You're going to love her. Can't wait to release that. See you Friday. Have a great rest of your day. 
Thanks for spending part of your day with Jeremy and myself. Love and gratitude to you. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Azadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.